Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and good evening. I'm Jonathan Nesson, and this is yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note. And joining me for today's episode, all the way from the Netherlands, is my dear friend and colleague Uri Rosenthal, the former foreign minister of the Netherlands, of course. Uh, thank you for joining us, Uri. Pleased to be with you. Indeed. Well, uh, as always, we start this uh, edition uh, of Editor's Note, or Editor's Note at Large, with a brief prayer, uh, inviting the Lord to join us, and after which we will immediately delve into topics uh, that uh, I find very important to discuss, and indeed, uh, I think that anybody at home should uh, listen to. Um, So bear with me, uh, Uri, and uh, if uh, all of you at home may also uh, join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to yet again uh, record an uh, edition of TV7 Editor's Note. Uh, Father, Lord, I pray that you will bless our conversation, that you will guide and lead us, and that uh, this will serve also as a blessing to all of our viewers at home. We give you all glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Uri. um, So yet again, thank you for joining us. Uh, Yeah. I know that uh, I, I haven't raised this question beforehand, but uh, I think uh, it is safe to say that as of late, uh, you've been uh, active in uh, a few matters related to uh, Iran, and the Iranians decided yep. to give you a badge of honor. Maybe you want to uh, <laughs> divulge a little bit of that? Well, okay. Well, it was... Uh was it a surprise or not? I, I'm not sure about that, but um, I have been indeed listed by uh, Iran uh, for the fact, not for the fact, but for their message that I would have um, uh, been actually encouraging acts of terrorism and uh, violence against the Iranian people. And uh, I, I can't imagine that it just comes uh, out of the blue. I would say that this must be connected to the fact that um, I am chairing a committee for a free Iran from the Netherlands uh, with a couple of um, uh, notable uh, former politicians and also opinion leaders, um, and that we are keen on helping out both Iranians in Iran itself as in the diaspora to um, uh, get the Ayatollahs out and uh, replace them with a free, democratic uh, state, regime, which respects the rule of law, etc. And uh, let me say that our uh, most concrete points for di- right at this moment, uh, um, Jonathan, are three points. First, we would like to put more pressure on the European Commission to uh, put the uh, revolutionary revolutionary guard on the um, on the uh, EU list of uh, terrorist organizations 
The second point is that we say that those in within the regime who are responsible for uh, committing crimes against humanity should be brought to justice before a international tribunal or in perhaps in another setting. And thirdly, we also say that uh, we want the um, export to Iran to be uh, stopped ex uh, with the exception of consumer goods, med medicines, and medication and uh, medical equipments. There are some other points as well. And we try with this committee for the free Iran to actually expand the scope of uh, opposition from the uh, from the uh, uh, from the uh, countries throughout the Western world. We are in close contact with uh, people in some other European countries. And let me say that we try also to help out the um, opposition in uh, in the diaspora wherever we can. And we are focusing uh, in this respect on two uh, actually uh, groups of people. First, what is called the uh, eight or the six of Washington. They are a couple of uh, very famous and active uh, opponents of the regime, including the um, one of the uh, most uh, remarkable uh, Iranian women in the diaspora, Mazi Alinejad, and secondly, the uh, Prince uh, Reza Pahlavi, also a Nobel Prize winner from Iran, is among them. A second group which we are also try, trying to back as much as possible is the so-called Seven Aban Front, which are opponents, uh, especially on the European end. Let me say that that is the situation. And let me also add to it in, in, um, uh, uh, in uh, very straightforward terms that our Minister of Foreign Affairs, Wopko Hoekstra, the incumbent Minister of Foreign Affairs, has um, uh, brought a formal protest to Tehran I don't think that it will be uh, of much impact on the uh, regime there, but it shows that our government is uh, totally uh, at odds with uh, what the Iranians are doing. Uh, our Prime Minister, I talked to our Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, about it, and he, as well as our Minister of Foreign Affairs, are fully uh, backing the cause of our uh, committee for a free Iran. So that's the situation. And that, of course, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, granted you the, the badge of honor, as I see it, uh, of being listed as a, uh, or listed on the terror designated list of the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, which uh, brings you in, in line with uh, many other people who are a vocal stand uh, for the Iranian people yeah, who are yeah. who continue to protest and to stand up exactly. uh, throughout Iran. But it, it seems like uh, the Western fatigue has kicked in uh, for some yeah, reason. Well, yeah, if, if I may say so, uh, yes, Western fatigue, okay, but... On the other hand, um, the fact that they are 
taking this step from the Tehran side shows that they are considering themselves apparently under siege, that they don't like the situation at all. And if I may, may uh, elaborate very, very shortly on this, if you look at the uh, several components of a country where things are really happening, then you can say that for sure the regime is losing le legitimacy also within Iran itself. Uh, you see that the demonstrations are continuing. There are a lot of strikes there. It doesn't come through that much in the international media, but it is going on. Secondly, the regime is uh, in a process of increasing closure. It is a closed shop. Thirdly, uh, as I said already, the opposition both in Iran, brave people there, and in abroad is also continuing and persistent. And then a very important point, which is not so much coming into the open in the Western media, is that uh, by now you there are, the regime is increasingly leaning on their special forces and plainclothes uh, police and uh, it is actually there is a lot of tension now uh, increasing between uh, the regular uh, armed forces and the special the special forces and last but not least um, on our part we do understand that if you want to do really something about this uh, you you should have an alternative and for that matter, it is so important that we see a, um, a uh, let me say, reinforcement now of the opposition, uh, both in Iran and especially also abroad, as I said before. So there is something going on. And it is, of course, up to us uh, from the Netherlands, from other countries, Belgium active, France, Germany, not the least. It is our mission to keep the to keep it uh, uh, operative and to see to it that we continuously tell this story also to our Western media. For sure, you are right in that. Indeed. Well, I, I think it's uh, indeed a, a blessed endeavor. Uh, more so, obviously, as you're familiar, I've been monitoring this uh, topic for quite some time and uh, on multiple facets. And as you mentioned, indeed, there is a growing resentment. Uh, it, there's been internal fighting and internal struggles between the different right. arms right. Uh, of uh, Iran's uh, various uh, security apparatus, uh, special forces, as you said, uh, besieged forces, particularly uh, the various yep. intelligence organizations, yep. the RGC. Uh, yep. But when we really look at the whole picture, uh, Iran has a grand strategy compared to other countries. And it is very much looking at the various activities, not only in Iran proper, but outside of it. It looks throughout the Middle East, it looks in Iraq, it looks in Syria, it looks in Lebanon, of course. Uh, this is the corridor to the Mediterranean, which it seeks to uh, 
further entrench on, uh, but also it looks to Yemen and uh, this latest uh, uh, blitz of, of diplomatic affairs, which uh, have received uh, the umbrella of both Russia and China particularly, uh, has allowed it to once again alleviate uh, concerns of penetration from uh, neighboring countries to the West, uh, if indeed there is going to be a certain operation that would threaten uh, its malign activities, particularly also its nuclear activities throughout the Islamic Republic. Um, but if if I look at the big picture, Iran has been working and, and utilizing, particularly in Iraq and Syria, but also elsewhere, in shifting demographics. Of course, it sees the opportunity, particularly uh, during the time of the Islamic State, uh, Daesh, Dawlat Islam al-Iraq wa al-Disham, uh, where it sought to drive out the Sunni Muslim populations and resettle Shiite populations, be they Shiites in Iraq, uh, the Fatimiyun brigades that it brings from Afghanistan into Syria. They bring not only the fighters, but they also bring the families, which then enter those territories, uh, which once were Sunni territories. And then those same t- uh, Sunnis who used to live there many of whom uh, were either affiliated with the Islamic State, of course, under Islamic State rule, but also other organizations, have migrated westward, many of them illegally, of course. Um, Just just a couple of days ago, as we broadcast uh, on Sunday evening, um, there was a uh, court case in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam, where we had yep. Ayman S uh, for uh, yep. his own personal safety, apparently. Uh, they f- uh, failed to provide his surname. But he happened to be a senior uh, member of the Islamic State from the Yarmouk re- uh, refugee camp, which is just a suburb of Damascus, a Palestinian suburb of Damascus, if I may add. Um, and he was an active member of the Islamic State, who is now in court in the Netherlands, who immigrated after the Islamic State fell fell in Yarmouk and and was driven out towards Idlib. And then we see that that same individual who managed to infiltrate the Netherlands illegally received uh, residency in 2019, which uh, brings a question. Where are the vetting processes, where the intelligence services to actually figure out who are entering the country? Allow me, uh, Jonathan, to to uh, come back a little bit to your your to the broader picture you mentioned, which is uh, striking to me, and it uh, combines with uh, actually the the uh, the information on the situation of Iran. You are completely right and uh, good to to hear it from you and from others that Iran is meanwhile while they are pressed within the regime, within Iran, they are going for what you call a grand strategy, geopolitically and and more so. And um, uh, in that respect, I could could say that if you talk Sunnis and Shiites, uh, it is for me uh, uh, quite a a point that uh, Iran has indeed restored diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia. It is remarkable for me how, how, for instance, Iran is now even uh, 
pressing very hard on uh, the Hashemite uh, dynasty in uh, Jordan. Jordan yeah. That is really something remarkable and very unpleasant to say it in diplomatic terms. That's one. Then your second point, which is uh, going into uh, the matters here in the Netherlands for this moment, you are using the the uh, you are using the word infiltration. I would nearly say that uh, uh, if it would be really infiltration only, uh, you could do something about it and try to uh, counter it with good and sophisticated intelligence and what have you. But I'm afraid that a part of the story here is simply that the mazes in the net, uh, in the immigration waves towards Europe, including the Netherlands, are too big, are uncontrollable. And uh, we have not only this case, which you mentioned, but for sure there are many others. And I, I remember also from the time that I was a Minister of Foreign Affairs, that we had quite some cases of people who were brought under the um, uh, International Criminal Code of uh, being um, actually um, migrants who had committed uh, war crimes or crimes against humanity, you could call them in the heaviest terms, and who simply lived their lives in the Netherlands um, uh, as uh, a decent, quasi-decent citizens. So it is also a matter of um, of uh, lack of uh, uh, resolve also on the part of Western countries, Western governments, to really do something about it and to see to it that there are no mazes in the net, as I would call them. Well, the question is, and this is something that I've, I've been trying to figure out for quite some time, because... Many yeah. of, of the Middle Eastern countries, they, they figured out the Western system. And they've been uh, cynically utilizing their own interests to infiltrate into this Western system. Now, uh, just taking three countries as an example. Please. Three of those countries happen to be staunch supporters of the Muslim Brotherhood, including Qatar, including Turkey, and including Morocco. Oh, now, you take yeah. those three countries two of which are being investigated right now for heavy corruption cases in the European Union uh, for basically influencing uh, the, the parliamentarians, lawmakers, uh, NGOs, nonetheless, which some of which are very active also on the migration front. Um, you see them being heavily funded by black money, trying Absolutely. to withhold those facts from the public in Europe and as such, this lack of resolve is not necessarily maybe a lack of resolve, but rather understanding that the system is broken. Yep. Yeah. Well, let, let me be as it's it's wonderful that you are raising this point, uh, Jonathan, because let me give you a concrete example from the Netherlands at the moment. Um, we have actually, if you would talk about um money laundering and all that sort of things and the threat of uh, getting uh, getting dirty money within your 
own financial and uh, societal system, then there you go. In the Netherlands right now, um, the um, a quarter, 25%, 30% of bank, bank employees are only working on these sort of matters. It is in the Netherlands increasingly difficult to simply open a bank account when you have, for instance, a, a foundation or what have you. Why? Because so many financial transactions take place uh, in the um, in the what we call the underworld. In two in two senses, one is of course drugs, and if we talk drugs, we also talk Middle East and the kind of problems we have over there. And the second is indeed exactly what you are talking about. I heard a case just yesterday, quite incidentally, of a foundation which uh, wanted to open a bank account. Then the financial transactions were uh, uh, actually uh, uh, checked and it turned out to be uh, also part of it was exactly money coming from, for instance, one of the uh, countries you have mentioned. So it is a real and genuine problem and mm. there should be done something about it. And let me also say that when you talk the Muslim brother, Brotherhood, uh, I also vividly remember how fierce several countries in the Gulf, for instance, were on the Muslim Brotherhood, but it looks as though um, their fierce resistance to them, their fierce opposition to them, is now only uh, there in Egypt, and they have their tentacles now uh, also in several countries which were fighting them as hell uh, some, some 10, 12 years ago. So the, the situation is indeed um, uh, uh, worsening in this respect, definitely. Indeed, of and, course, um, Egypt we, is uh, faced with many challenges pertaining to the Muslim Brotherhood, absolute, and there were a lot of absolute, uh, painful absolute. reminders why they're so dangerous. Yeah, well, they, they uh, of course, they have, their, they have their share of that history, but I also say, without going into uh, details, etc., that at a certain moment, um, uh, for instance, some Western countries, let me... Uh, let me uh, uh, attenuate the story a little bit by talking about Western countries, that several Western countries were getting in, into an embarrassing situation because their NGOs sometimes had links uh, unintentionally with people who are, were actually part or associated with the Muslim Brotherhood. So, but the I would say that what you say is really a very disturbing situation. Um, the um, uh, the uh, uh, there is some some change in the atmosphere in the Middle East, and you are now uh, concentrating on this uh, Shiite surge on the Sunnite uh, part of the Mus of the Muslim uh, uh, community, but. I would say that um, this is all, well, it is also very much um, um, 
I, I would say that again and again, Iran is popping up as the one of the pivotal actors in this whole development, which is disturbing. What I find most interesting, and we have roughly three minutes left for today's program, but yes. um, I, I, I find it quite interesting that Iran, even though it has a grand strategy, it has multiple strategies, and uh, within that it, it is very... Yeah. Uh, determined, uh, despite getting even struck time and again by Israel and others throughout the region. Uh, Israel is not the only culprit in activities against Iran in trying to thwart its encroachment. Mm. Uh, but uh, what I find most interesting that it learns to observe so keenly. The Persians are not um, uh, <laughs> inadequate people. They, they really know what they're doing. Uh, and they seem to be uh, utilizing, for instance, in order to normalize relations between Israel and Turkey, Turkey acquiesced to Israel's request to kick out of its territory Saleh al uh, a leader of the Muslim Brotherhood offshoot, the Islamist uh, Hamas. They kicked him out where? To Lebanon. Iran found yeah. this as a great opportunity and started helping under uh, the assistance of Saleh al to start entrench in Lebanon, side by side, next to Hezbollah, for the day in which Iran would then activate them against Israel. Now, something very interesting within that context, and uh, we don't have very much time, but I think you'll find this very interesting yeah. in our viewers as well. The 34 rockets that were fired from yeah. Lebanon to Israel were indeed Hamas. But in contrast to what people claim... And all the reports, there were multiple reports saying, oh, this was leaked and this and that. Hamas had no idea. Neither, uh, excuse me, Hezbollah had no idea, and nor did Iran. Hamas acted from its own volition, and Saleh al got a scolding from Hassan Nasrallah. Uh, we are familiar with that scolding, and, okay. and the intelligence apparatuses are, were heavy at work okay. at this. Uh, nevertheless, okay. they try to picture it as no, Hezbollah is still in control. There okay. are still many problems between those different terror organizations. They are quite familiar with their different uh, uh, interests. And if Palestinian Islamic Jihad, for instance, is a proxy and does Iran's bidding and directives, there are terror organizations that are Iranian clients that not necessarily always follow suit. Okay, okay. So, uh, last sentence, what should we focus on uh, for this week? What do you think uh, should be uh, addressed? Well, uh, let me say that uh, let me say that uh, if we are talking about the, the world scene and Iran is also playing there its uh, nasty role, I would say um, uh, again, in, on the European end, we have the, the Ukrainian-Russian war where Iran is also playing its part. Mm -hmm. And uh, that war is looking like a, at the moment, like a war of attrition. And uh, we are all uh, uh, expecting some things to happen. But unfortunately, things may happen, but the situation will not dramatically um, uh, change into the uh, advantage of the uh, Western side, of the Ukrainian side. So that is what I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to and not 
positive sense. Well, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. Uh, so I'd like to thank Uri Rosenthal, the former foreign minister of the Netherlands, for taking out of your time and uh, really uh, granting us some of your insights and wisdom uh, for today's edition. Thank you so much. And I'd like also to thank uh, all of you at home. And until next time, for yet another episode of uh, Editor's Note. Until then, shalom. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.